Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Monday Night Live. My name is Derek Arden. I'm your host today. I'm delighted to uh, introduce to you my friend Esther Stanhope, who's actually appeared on this show three times since we started it in uh, at the beginning of COVID in March uh, 2020. Welcome, Esther. Let me tell everybody a little bit about uh, you. You were a BBC reporter, a producer. You started the uh, Vanessa Phelps show as the producer, got all sorts of hassle, and I'm sure you're going to tell us about some of that in a minute. You've introduced George Clooney. You've uh, interviewed the Spice Girls, and goodness knows who else. But my friend Tim Durkin, when he sees you speak, he says, Esther has so much energy and enthusiasm, she should perhaps only drink decaffeinated coffee. And I understand you've had a, cu a couple of cups of the real thing today. So uh, welcome back and thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me, Derek. Hello, welcome. Give us a wave. Excellent. Have you, have you, have you got gallery view there, Derek? If you're watching this live, you really will give you a bit of gallery view as well. So you can see all these faces tuning in from all over the world. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yes, my background showbiz, although now I'm... I'm speaking with businesses and I've written a book, an award-winning book, and I help people to pitch and present. But today we were talking about the topic and about how we can share our experiences to help us all feel better about ourselves. So it's a bit of group therapy today. Today's all about when you messed up, what can you learn from failure? And we were talking about this because I've recently set up the 80% Perfect Club, which is my new digital coaching program. But the reason I set it up was because what I've been finding when I'm working with leaders all over the world, particularly women leaders, is that people try to be perfect and they're scared of failure and they don't like messing up. And then what I realize is when I start talking to people that are incredibly successful, quite often... They're not perfect. And not only are they not perfect, they've got stories, secret stories. And I've got loads of secret stories that I never shared in the past because I thought that I was a bit dumb, a bit of a fool. And I'll just give you a, a taste of the kind of things that the, the kind of things that have been going on behind the scenes. So on a, on a little level, the wardrobe malfunction. Hands up if you've ever had an item of clothing malfunctioning in front of an audience or in public so one time I was at this conference and I was staying at a hotel and I accidentally ironed a hole in my top it was like this hole this big it, it was huge so I just wore it back to front and didn't take my jacket off all day I was sweltering I was sweltered but I had this huge hole in the back of my top and I was telling this story to uh it was I was at this dinner for women leaders one night and I and I I admitted what happened and I actually had the top with me that night and I thought oh, you know I'm really embarrassed about this and uh, and I thought they might think oh well typical Esther she's a bit you know a bit ditzy with the old iron um and then people started sharing all of the things that they did wrong and all of the buttons that popped and the trousers that had split so that's just the wardrobe malfunction so I've got a couple of other showbiz stories as well um things that went wrong when I messed up um when I wasn't perfect um earlier on in my career I've actually when I think about it there's been quite a few times where I've either choked as in you know before I learned how to do speaking in public 
I properly choked, you know, in front of an audience and I went and I froze. But have a think, because we're going to be opening the breakout rooms shortly. That's what I like to do on your show, Derek. Take over, send everybody off in their little networking pods. Um, so have a think. Have you ever messed up? So, Derek, have a, have a think about you. Have you done a major mess up? And I'm going to get you to share with with only one person initially, and then we might share as... Um, I'm going to share my story group. now. While, go while on, Derek. Go, go for it. <laughs> so I was doing this big talk down at uh, the Barclays Training Centre in Ashdown Park, Management Training Centre, and um, I rushed out that morning and grabbed what I thought was my favourite white shirt because I always uh, talk with a white shirt on. It looks more American. It looks smart. I think Nancy told me always to wear a white shirt when I did some training <laughs> with her. Anyway, as I went to change in the changing rooms because I had a swim first, I discovered I couldn't get into the shirt because it was my son's white shirt and he was 12 years of age at that point. So there I am. Oh, God, I'm on in <laughs> half an hour. I can't get into this shirt. What do I do? Well, I put my casual things on and I went straight down to the uh, guy who was um, who was introducing me. And because we were at the management training centre, they had a quick look round, sent some uh, sent some emails and found a white shirt which was probably too big for me but they found me a white shirt I couldn't work out what on earth I was going to do because it wouldn't fit at all <laughs> and you reminded me of that story which I'd forgotten about uh, Esther when we rehearsed her a week ago and there's so many stories and of course Esther the thing I wanted to say was we remember we learn more when we mess up yeah. as professional speakers people prefer us to tell stories when we messed up and uh, we were successful and then put across the key learning point that we took away and people really do take that that away last thing i know you're going to say something but i'm going to keep going because i won't get a word in each ways afterwards just kidding go for it Darren. go for it of course the imposter syndrome fits in to what you're talking about here doesn't it and i know lots of people get the imposter syndrome really famous people really good leaders some amazing people um and um it's not a phenomenon it's um it's something that happens to all of us and uh, once we get a head around that we can be more confident so back to you esther it's your it's you're in charge well thank you and will would you like to unmute yourself for a few seconds because i'd love your little quote here about vulnerability really important i am um... One of the big fears that young professional people have got and the cleverer people are, is that they don't like to show their ignorance. And, and that's why they don't like going networking. And what I have to explain to them is, if you don't know, put your hand up and say, you know more about this than me. So tell me about it, explain to me. And I think it's so important to get that message across to the young professional who goes networking, as I say, Fear of failure is their biggest issue when it comes to attending events. Thank you, Will. That is a really good point. And you're absolutely right. But it, you actually need more courage. I'm now quoting Brené Brown. You need a lot of courage in order to show your vulnerabilities. It's actually it feels risky, doesn't it, to show that you don't know everything and to show that you're not perfect. But as I have discovered and as you can imagine, and what we're going to share this evening is that when you come clean and you say, okay, I messed up here, people like you for it. They don't mind the fact that you're human. And I particularly over lockdown and in this climate where we're working from home part-time, it's become much more 
um, relaxed in a way. It's you are allowed. You are allowed to be professional and a human being. But there's a fine line, isn't there, between being a total fool and being a professional fool, <laughs> but becoming clean and saying, I was a bit of a fool then. And so many of my clients have shared really, really um, funny stories with me and quite revealing stories about themselves. So I was going to, I, I, I know that you've heard this story before, Will, but one of my little stories I, I shared the other night at my launch party was about being a bit ditzy and I was I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning of my career and the point for this little story is sometimes the thing that makes you ditzy or the thing that you think is bad about yourself can also be quite a good selling point about yourself so when I first started my career I was a reporter and I remember it, I used to do work experience and I learned how to go and do radio interviews for celebrities I was a showbiz reporter and I worked for this company called Unique Broadcasting, and we had to collect celebrity interviews at least eight seconds long for Capital Radio and various other radio stations around the UK. And I didn't really know the score. I didn't know in the editor's meeting, they went round, they gave you your job. All I knew I had to do was go out with a microphone and interview people. I didn't really think about what I was doing. And I was a bit like Bridget Jones in the film, Bridget Jones's Diary. You know, oh yes, I'll do that for you. Not really quite knowing the implications. Anyway, one morning, it was the day before the biggest rock concert in the UK. Um, the biggest rock band at the time was called Oasis. And it had two brothers, Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher. And their most famous song was, you're my wonder wall. You know Oasis? Put your hands up if you know Oasis. Do you like Oasis? Kind of. <laughs> In my imagination. Anyway, that was, they were the biggest rock band at the time. And I went to this editor's meeting and they went around the table and they said, today, this is, you're going to visit them. You're going to interview them. And they said, Esther, after um, work, you're going to go and you're going to interview Noel Gallagher from Oasis. And I remember thinking, we haven't got an interview. They're not doing any interviews. It was, they famously weren't doing any interviews. They went, nope, you're going to go to his house. I remember thinking, what, are you going to send me to his house? I didn't know people actually did that. I didn't know, I didn't have a clue because all the other interviews were at a hotel on one of those press junkets or on the red carpet or in a studio. Anyway, so I found out that I said, well, where does he live? They went, well, go and ask one of the paparazzi. Anyway, I found out where he lived. It was in St. John's Wood. You know that area. Who knows St. John's Wood? Just down the road. That's right. Just down the road from the station. There's a red telephone box. They said, go to the White House past the red telephone box. And that's where Noel Gallagher lives. And I thought, OK, OK, I'll go. And I had my big fat recording machine that you had to press record and play with a big microphone. And I got there and I thought, well, I better go into the telephone box to sort my wires out because at least, you know, if I if, if there's a small chance that he is home, I better be ready to record him. Anyway, so I have my wires wrapped around my hand, ready to go. I'm just about to go into the front gate and who should walk out of the house but Noel Gallagher. He walks out of the house. I'm like, <gasps> and I, I just I didn't, I didn't have a clue what to do. So I just went, hi. Hi, Noel, uh, can I interview you uh, for radio? Um, and he's like, yeah, all right. So I stood there with him and I was like, so um, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I didn't know what 
to ask him. So I literally just put the microphone under his mouth and he just went, um, well, uh, actually, I'm waiting for the plumber because my toilet's blocked. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, no, that's terrible. Oh, this is a terrible interview. I was like, um, what else are you doing? Uh, and he went, I'm going down the shop to buy a pint of milk because I've run out of milk. I'm just making a cup of tea. And he just talked about toilets tea making tea with milk you know he, it was the most i thought it was like the most boring interview in the world so i said oh how are you preparing for the biggest rock concert and he just went on about you know domestic appliances anyway so the next day got to the office and they went around the table well you're doing that you're doing that you're doing that and i said oh and they kind of skipped me i said oh um mr harvey um I got the interview for you. And he went, what? I said, you told me to go to Noel Gallagher's house. I got the interview. And the editor just went, what? You, you got the <laughs> Thinking, oh no, it was about the toilet. So embarrassing. So I went, well, yeah, the only thing was, it was just about um, his toilet was blocked. And my editor just went, He was so excited. He was like, get hold of the Daily Mirror, get the Daily Sun, get the showbiz editors on the phone. And he was ringing up, he was ringing everybody up. And that was the moment where I realised, okay, I might be a bit ditzy. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was the only person in the entire world to get an exclusive interview. And it was quoted in the papers. And it was, it was a most beautiful story. Apparently, I, I'd had no idea at the time you know, to have an exclusive interview about a blocked toilet apparently was the best story of the year. <laughs> I got the story of the year. And so it was so good that they asked me for Capital Radio, asked me to do a voiceover. It was the first voiceover I'd ever recorded. And it was the first time I learned how to do a voiceover with a microphone. And it, it went something like, hi, tune in for this exclusive interview at six o'clock with me and Noel Gallagher from Oasis. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, it's literally about a blocked toilet. <laughs> this is, surely people aren't interested in that. Anyway, apparently they are interested. So the, the, my message there is sometimes being a bit ditzy does actually open doors for you. <laughs> So that's my, I thought I messed up, but I didn't actually that time because I got the exclusive interview, even though I was pretty much Bridget Jones out of the film, Bridget Jones's Diary. That's so, brilliant, Esther. So before you put everyone into chat, yes. you just reminded me of the negotiation tactic, dummy oh, yes. smart, or yeah. sometimes called the Columbo tactic after Peter Falk, the actor in the series Columbo and uh, ah. being a bit ditzy in a negotiation, as long as you don't let on you were doing it deliberately, can be ah. a great tactic to get people to repeat themselves. If they're lying, it's more difficult to lie the second time, um, et cetera. And I, um, I do use that uh, quite a lot, but you have to be a bit careful not to overuse the ditzy, the blonde or the- uh, Or the kind um, of act dumb, like if you act a bit dumb sort of thing. I don't get it. I don't get it. I've uh, had a hard week and we had a few beers last night and I got a bit of a hangover. And uh, can you tell me that again? Oh, right. OK. OK. So that's your version of being ditzy. Yeah. Got a bit of a hangover. I probably need a better word than ditzy, don't I? But you can. No, help. no, that's good. because It's kind of like dumb acting a bit dumb. Yeah. And 
I mean, there are certain people that are, that are well known for being a kind of dumb blonde. They're not dumb at all. Yeah, exactly. So Great tactic. Yeah, good tactic. I've, I've got another funny story, but I'm, if we've got time, I'll tell it later. Which okay. is, um, but I would now, I would like you to think about the wardrobe malfunctions, the wrong shirt, the wrong trousers, or maybe the wrong city. <laughs> Whatever. What? When have you messed up? Or when maybe you've been a bit dumb and it's gone in your favour. When have you messed up? And I'm going to put you into breakout rooms. They're totally chosen at random, so don't feel, don't take it personally the way that I uh, put you in pairs because I've got no idea who's going to be with who. All I can say to you is listen and learn and have fun and interview each other about your mess ups. And then we will do a little bit of sharing afterwards. I'm going to give you about six or seven minutes to um, share your messing up stories. So we'll give you about six minutes and a one minute warning. We'll shut the rooms and then we'll give you one minute to come back. So enjoy. I'm creating the rooms now. There are seven rooms. So just click on the room and have fun. See you in a moment. See you in six or seven minutes. Welcome back, everybody. And over to you, Esther. Thank you so much. So we've been in breakout rooms and I know that you were in mid flow because when I closed the rooms, nobody came back, which is a good sign, which means that we can carry on with the stories. What I'd really like you to do now is click on the chat function at the bottom of your screens, click on the chat function and just give us the first line of your story, the first line or the subject of your story. So it could be wrong airport, wrong trousers. <laughs> The mother-in-law. <laughs> um, just give us the first line of your story. And, and while you're doing that, um, Nancy, you're a quick on, you were quick. This is like fastest finger first, isn't it? On um, who wants to be a millionaire? It, we will try and fit in as many fun stories as we possibly can. We may not fit everyone in, but the great thing about the breakout rooms is that you all get a chance to share your stories even if it's not in public, at least you've shared it with, with one other person. Nancy, let's kick off with you. Un unmute yourself. How are you? I'm fine. Well, what was funny was the fact that Cheryl and I were connecting offline on LinkedIn and then you put us together. So that was fun. Oh, um, that's so great. Yeah, yeah so, so that's, you know, accidental um, and it worked. But we both that's had a similar story go on, about go on, wrong Nancy. shoes. Oh, having... go on, Nancy having packed you know to go away and do a training course or an event she was doing events i was doing a, a workshop and um leaving early in the morning packed shoes and to a bag and went up to wherever the venue was took out the shoes which i buy sev several pairs in different colors one navy one brown oops <laughs> <laughs> i love that i bet that was a really good look yeah well the thing is um Esther, as I, I figured in my instance that nobody would notice, I was pretty much doing presentations mostly to a group of men. It was in banking in the 90s. And so it was like, would anybody even notice that they were slightly different colors? And so I just I carried it. carried That's on. Cool. And then it's almost like, Nancy, that could be your signature, always <laughs> wearing different colored shoes. Different colored shoes. Yeah, well, there's a possibility. Cheryl, do you want to add to that? Cheryl? Yes, Cheryl, let's hear your story. 
Yes, it was it was quite freaky that both of us had very similar stories. Um, I uh, way back when um, used to be um, a sales exec. And so we would do exhibitions and we would be there and shows and we would be there for the whole week. And I would I would pack um, outfits for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I was always known for be being immaculately turned out. I matched from head to toe and um, I took it all very seriously, probably a little bit too seriously. And um, I remember putting on my outfit for a particular day and looking around for the matching pair of uh, brown shoes that I planned to wear with it and um, spent sort of 10 minutes scouring, couldn't find it. Then decided, you know what, I'll change the outfit, I'll put black pair on instead. Another 10 minutes trying to find the other one. Then eventually it dawned on me when I was getting really frantic because I was running late that I'd had one brown shoe and one black shoe. Neither one of them went with the outfits that I wanted to wear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to dig out a pair of navy shoes, which didn't go with either one of the two outfits, which was mortifying at the time um, <laughs> because I took myself way too seriously with that stuff back then um, and yeah so it was quite it's quite funny that Nancy and I did very similar things um, nowadays well, you still live <laughs> to tell the tale so what do you have now a neutral pair of shoes just in case <laughs> what I have now is um, I don't take myself quite so seriously and if I mess up I just make a joke about it and just go oh you never guess what I did and I'm much more yeah I'm much more out there whereas before I would have yeah horrible that was just the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Um, so has anyone so else forgotten some, some forgotten an item of clothing so one time I went, I went swimming and I thought I'm really I'll be really clever I'll wear my swimming costume because it'd be quicker to get changed. And then I forgot my underwear. But I only realised I'd forgotten it after I was in the pool. Oh. <laughs> so it was, so I, I had to very uncomfortably go to M&S or find some random shop up the road and go and buy some horrible emergency um, undergarments. <laughs> what a thought. Anyone else, anyone else forget an item of clothing or have a, a wardrobe malfunction? Hands up if you've had a wardrobe malfunction. Paul, was that you? Derek's had a, 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 ward, a, a wardrobe malfunction. Okay, before we before we um, share more stories, we, Derek, you had a, an observation about the Manchester United supporters. Oh, I was just going to say <laughs> serendipity. The two people who support Manchester United who are crazy about them ended up in the same group, Esther. And I just wondered if you put them into that group deliberately or they're just attracted to each other because no one else is attracted to the team. That's enough about football. Yeah, that's so funny because um, my husband supports Leeds and he doesn't like Manchester United. They're his biggest enemy. So who are the Manchester United supporters? Uh, Will and Nigel. Oh, Will and, uh, Will and Nigel. Did you talk about Manchester United? Did you, Nigel? Of course, that, that's, that's my story. Oh, your story's about, so if you're not really into football or Manchester United, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Come on, come on then, Nigel. What was your mess up? Well, the headline, as you would say, the, the sort of teasing headline, The Wrong Palace. <laughs> it oh, was the first yours, right, OK. Yes. It relates to the time where I decided uh, at the last minute, kind of uh, ill-prepared, United were playing Crystal Palace away. And these were the good old days where you could turn up at a ground, queue up and actually get in. The only problem is I actually got off the train at the Crystal Palace Athletics ground, not realising that it wasn't the Crystal Palace football ground, which is located at Norwood Junction, which is nowhere near the Crystal Palace Athletics track. But fortunately, 
I managed to um, regain my composure after um, losing it a little bit, got back on, on a cab and actually arrived at the ground in good time. So the moral of my story is if you're actually going to an away ground, make sure you plan in good time for travel and arrive at the right destination. Very good. Give Nigel a round of applause. Well done. Oh, actually, these are brilliant stories, really. And then well we done. were reminiscing, Will and I, of our trips to the Wembley Cup final. <laughs> oh, gosh. Will... Must have been a long time ago, so Esther. You tell, you tell us your story then, Will. You've got your hand up. If all goes to plan, on December the 27th this year, Mrs Kintish and I will have been married for 52 years. But because of United, it nearly didn't happen. It was the third round of the Cup replay against Preston. And because her and her friends were very, very slow in coming with us, she'd never been to a football match, and I stupidly said I'd take her along. <laughs> and we got to the ground, and we couldn't get in because they were late, and, and we missed the match. And I nearly thought I was going to dump her, but <laughs> it didn't <laughs> happen. I ended up marrying her, and that's 52 years ago. Oh, oh, that, that deserves a round of applause. Derek, are you looking, are you, have you got your beady eyes on these stories? Who else have we got? Who would else, Ava, Ava, have you got a story? I bet you've got a mess up story. Sorry, I didn't really have a really good mess up story, but I remember, just, you know, something that comes close. I remember I was in a speech contest. And I was so nervous that my legs were shaking, not just shaking, just vibrating like this. And I was wearing this black pants and the leg pant was kind of wide and thin material. So the pants were like flags around my leg like this. And the whole time I was delivering my speech and the judges were sitting to the side of me. And I know they saw it. They have to say, okay, everybody probably saw it. And uh, all I was thinking was like, hide a pants, hide a pants. Next time, hide a pants so you don't have the flags around your legs you know what but i bet you you wouldn't shake anymore would you if you had to speak in public i don't think so i don't remember the last time my legs were shaking but yes yeah. this was back in the <laughs> I day don't know and... the tighter pants would actually help because then you'd actually see you know you'd see your legs shaking but that's yeah, well like, the like... thing was that the, the legs were kind of like vibrating <laughs> and the vibration went over to the pants and it escalated the vibration <laughs> in the pants like, you know, jean material, like something <laughs> yeah. thicker and tighter wouldn't have vibrated, would have kept my legs together. It's so funny that look, look I'm, I'm messing up now. My my glasses keep steaming up. I don't know why my glasses are steaming up today. I must be, a, there must be a funny temperature compared to my, I must be very hot and my glasses are cold, so they keep steaming up. It's okay, the, who else has a good the excitement story? excitement of being on Monday Night Live. I, with, I'm so uh, excited, Derek. We're heating up here. Loving these stories so that I know that we're saving the best. Uh, we're saving our good people. We know that you've got good stories. Well, we've got quite a few intriguing ones go on. in the chat show. So we might yes. have to go around very quickly for a minute. Let's uh, let's go to Jill English. And she's she's had a mental health moment. I don't know quite what that means, Jill. Hello, Jill. Hi, hi Esther. Hi, Derek. Well, I went years ago on um, a mental health awareness course and it was run by someone from Mind, two days, pretty heavy going. I mean, day one was um, suicide, depression and anxiety, and day two was much the same. Uh, it was a very good course. It was very well run. Um, when we went into the room, we were all given these little fiddly toys to play with, and I had an orange space hopper um, stress ball. How small <laughs> in, my, in my team was, you go on a course, when you come back, you share what you learned. 
So I come back and say, well, what I learned was, if you're concerned about someone, you don't pussyfoot around, you look them in the eye and say, are you thinking of taking your own life? Um, yeah, so don't, not, uh, are you thinking you're doing something silly, but as direct as that. So I was in my office, uh, that day I'd gone in with a sort of orange blouse and this lot, this jersey jackety thing, long pointy front that tied at the front. It was quite sort of, uh, sort of wide at the front. Talking to somebody on the phone, trying to sell me something, I was fiddling with this space hopper thing and it exploded all over me and I was covered in this raspberry coloured gunk. <laughs> I took myself off to the ladies loo, um, off came the jacket, off came the blouse, what the heck am I going to do? So I put the jacket on the wrong way round uh, and it was respectable at the front but it was quite low at the back. So I took myself off to talk to my team and said, I've just had a mental health moment. And if you say to me that, um, you know, where you think you've taken your own life, five minutes ago, you'd have thought I'd made the attempt because I was covered in this, this red goo. So I had to take myself off and go and buy a T-shirt. <laughs> oh. great, great story, Jill. Jill really good. Yeah. Should we go in? Let's, let's go in order down here, uh, Esther. Let, let's go to Godfrey and then to Michael O'Hara so they can um, unmute themselves as, as we go along. Go, go for it. Hi, hi everybody. Um, like Derek, years and years ago, and when I was with Barclays, I, I worked at the management training centre and I was due to deliver one of my very first sessions to a group of people on uh, communication. And, and Esther, you will know this, uh, the art of communication, it's two way. And the first thing to do is grab their attention. So if we're in a crowded room and I happen to say, Esther, you will pick up your ears because you have been switched on by me using your first name. So the, the start of this session was all about switch them off. And I had a wonderful slide to describe this. So I said to the group, and what's the first thing you've got to do? You've got to, and there were total blank faces and everybody was just looking completely bewildered. And I looked round and the screen was blank. I had not put the main switch off. So there was I trying to talk about communication and switch them on. And I hadn't even switched the bally machine on at the mains. Uh, so we had a laugh and obviously the joke was on me and, and we moved on. But it's exactly what you say. You, you've got to be thinking on your feet all the time, haven't you? I, lo I love that story because, it, because it's got kind of irony and tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing I love about it is that you know the the big big you know message today and it's blank yeah. <laughs> it's so typical of technology though that is the way we live isn't it, it I, I was just I was helping um talking to a pitch team earlier today that they they want they have to go and pitch their program ideas we're talking about pitching for tv and, and it's the combination of powerpoint slides and film well there's always something about what is it about PowerPoint slides or when you've got the projector there or you've got the computer and you go to press play and nothing happens? It's happened so often. So um, at least you could have a laugh about it. That's the only way to do it, isn't it? I've rehearsed things so many times. You rehearse it three or four times, it all works. And then you get in front of the audience and for some reason it doesn't work. You can't make this. You can't make it up. Um, we'll now go to Alex Kent. Godfrey, uh, um, I was just going to say Michael O'Hara left in a rush for something. Um, maybe we'll go back he, to his story. If, if uh, you... Michael has given me permission to share his story at the end of this time. That's all. Okay, Ooh, let's go there. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Alex. Alex next, if Alex is there. I'm here, yeah. 
I was chatting to Ava actually, and uh, I've got a bit of Germanic background, and Ava's, I think, Estonian. And I think so, we do absolutely everything that we can to prevent things happening, things going wrong. <laughs> so it's difficult to think of things, but probably um, things go wrong when you start to get a bit um, stressed or. Uh, yeah. shy or whatever so I can think of a business meeting which was quite a big business meeting I was uh, with some higher ups where I had to do a couple of us we had to do some presentations <clears throat> it's one of those meetings where people sort of dribble in over time um, and the higher ups come in last but and there were some people I didn't know so I sort of I managed to introduce myself to the same person twice in the meeting which was a bit embarrassing <laughs> That's so embarrassing. I know that when you think, oh no, oh no, we've done this already, haven't we? I've uh, forgotten, forgotten it was. Luckily it didn't, he was a flunky, so it didn't really matter actually. Yeah, I think I think the, the way to get around anything like that is definitely humour. Again, you know, don't take yourself too seriously and you can get away with murder. Go on, Derek. Sounds like Tim has mismatched his navy blue suit and pants. We got a lot of these um, clothing stories. Tim, what was your story? Well, I was uh, I had at, at one time a lot of navy blue suits or variations of navy blue suits because I wore a lot of white shirts. I thought it was a good look. And I was getting ready to go on stage. And I, as I was putting my pants on, um, I had a zipper malfunction. Uh -huh. So I have this sewing kit in my uh, in my uh, baggage and <laughs> I only had one of those what we call safety pins you know the ones that close so I'm trying to close the fly which is 100% open um, and I, I just because I was active on the stage I didn't want to thread the needle or anything so I closed it with the um, with this the, and it was it looked very very sloppy so I, I knew I was going to have to put on my coat and kind of cover the the fly area there. And I'm on stage, I don't know how many people were in the audience, but it was too late. And what made matters worse is the pants were navy blue with a chalk stripe and the coat was from another suit and it was solid navy blue. <laughs> so I'm out there with a misplacing and a, 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 a pin trying to keep uh, the fly open and uh, uh, finally, I grabbed a paper and, and sort of held it there, but it, it was really awkward looking, and I think everybody probably saw what was happening there. So anyway, never again. And I also have had misplaced shoes um, in a job interview, and I called attention to it, and I said, I don't know if you want to hire me after this, but uh, you'll notice I've got two different loafers on. <laughs> I did get the job. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I've yeah. got to write about this. It seems like a lot of people have got uh, mismatched shoes yeah and you wonder how that happens people. yeah i think that's yeah. really funny i i, um, I think it's uh, maybe we're going to start a trend yep. that's really good one of my clients recently said that she was going to this interview in the london stock exchange and she's very very smart and she's from la and very senior and she was she's she's net she's always really well turned out and quite serious person. She was just getting out of the taxi to go to the London Stock Exchange for this really important interview. And every single button just went pop, 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 pop. All of her buttons came off. <laughs> so I think she had, to, luckily, I think the person she was with or the taxi driver had a load of safety pins. Really? I, I, I don't know how she managed to get away with that one, but 
that's that isn't that funny when the moment when you've got to really be your best self and you're going to be in public exposed when that happens what do you do that's good. Go on, Derek. What else can you see in our chat? Well, we've got a, yeah, a new member of Monday Night Live, Kerry, Kerry Erickson on. Kerry, uh, are you OK to tell your story about having too much drink with your boss? Hello, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, so it was a, a company holiday party and uh, the boss was paying the bar tab. It was my first year working for them. And um you know, as the night progressed, you know, the liquid courage and you know, I had, I'm an idea person and I was presenting my ideas very fervently about we could do this and this and this. And um, it was, uh, ended up being one of those ones that didn't have a funny ending because I did work for the company for seven years. That was my first year. Um, uh, but it followed me and they remembered it and it ended up passing me over for a promotion. And I'm no longer with that company anymore. But every year after that, I, I always made sure I was the designated driver. So always <laughs> never do never in a position to drink too much again. But mm -hmm. it was a lesson learned, hard lesson learned. Ooh. Thanks well for sharing, done. Kerry. Kerry, well where done, are you Kerry. from? It's your first time on uh, Monday Night Live. Where's that accent from? Uh, I'm in Minnesota. Okay. Oh. Okay. Well, welcome. Nice to see you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we Thank you. We better go to the Turks and Caicos. You, went, you, you started work on the wrong day, Paul, did you? No, actually, it's, it's not. It was. It's a better story than that. It, really, I did turn up on the right day, but I. But remember when, as I tell the story, the fourteenth of October, is, you've got to remember why, and then you'll see why I refer to that. Because I started straight from school into Barclays Bank, and uh, my first job, they told me I had to stamp with a, a stamp, rubber stamp that said "paid" and a date on. I had to stamp all these checks. That was first my, and I thought, wow, this sound, this is sounds really responsible. This job, and I, hey, there you go, stamp, 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 and I. That was the fourteenth of October, and then I had to remember that every day. I mean, it's it's very high tech, high tech in Barclays Bank in those days. You had to open up the rubber stamp, and you used to have to turn the date to the next day. And the importance of all these rubber, this rubber stamp with paid on, because in those days they used to get, return the checks with the statements. So that the person, when you were putting the statements together, which was a job in the afternoon, they had to be able to see the check and the, on their bank statement, and they could see that the dates married up. So anyway, move that move forward eight eight working days until the twenty third of October, and I did it. Stamp, 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 stamp. Turn the date. Following day, the manager came up to me and said, "Mr. Coleman, when since when has there been?" A 32nd of October in the in the calendar. And I really had put the absolute wrong date, all all neat stamps, and I was actually beside myself. I thought that's the end of it. You know, I've made after eight working days, got this job, thought I was doing the most important job in, in Barclays Bank, and uh, I'd screwed up. And uh, but anyway, it all turned out all right. I worked for Barclays Bank for 34 years. Probably made a lot worse mistakes than that, but uh, at the end of the day, I'll never forget that 32nd of October. 
it's interesting how we remember those and i just remember those paid stamps as well you just really triggered something in my mind from uh, a hell of a long time ago yeah people went mad about that uh, thanks paul have i missed anyone have i missed that what about mary mary hi mary how was your story was mine um i suppose a, a kind of wardrobe malfunction was uh getting on a bus once and then having sat there realizing this seat was rather wet <laughs> and uh getting up to find out that somebody had spilt their coffee all over the seat <laughs> and on my pale dress i had this rather large brown stain all over my back. um at which point i i sort of said I think you ought to stop people using this seat <laughs> because somebody <laughs> spelt their coffee and had to gingerly walk up the road, sort of holding my my skirt round so that I didn't uh, show too much of this large stain. Oh, Thankfully, no. I was going home, not too work. Great. Love Derek, oh, no. Derek, very quickly, Michael's, because it's a good one. Oh, he, yes, was, uh, he, he was delivering um, a, a major presentation at nine o'clock in the morning in Manchester. He decided to drive down from Glasgow the night before and on the journey, he's on the motorway, so no real chance of pulling off or anything. He was going through his mental checklist of everything he'd got. He'd forgotten his suit, shirt, tie, uh, all laid out in his bedroom bed and he'd forgotten it. So um, anyway, he was the first one at Marks and Spencer's Central Manchester at 8.15 with a taxi waiting 15 minutes later. And he went into Marks and Spencer's, came out wearing, he hadn't got a clue what, but it was <laughs> knew everything and um, got the taxi straight to his venue just in time. So that's Michael. Oh, that's a great story. I love that. I bet you we had the old little labels sticking out, <laughs> sticking out in the back of him. I've, I've had to buy emergency clothes like that as well. That is absolutely brilliant. So uh, it'd be great. Uh, to round up, Derek, thank you so much again for inviting me. Thank you for sharing your, well, mainly wardrobe malfunctions because we got on the, the whole wardrobe malfunction vibe and the odd shoes and the odd suits and the safety pins and the clothes laid out on the bed beautifully that weren't taken. <laughs> love it, love it. Thanks, and, Lester, that's been really great. Um, yeah. I think Alex made the point, you see, if you keep... If you get a bit stressed or a bit wound up, you don't start, you stop thinking about the really important issues, don't you? So it's back to the proper preparation prevents pretty poor performance and being ahead of yourself on these things. And we've all done it. Um, but uh, yeah, good luck with your 80-20 club, uh, Esther. I love the 80-20 rule, but uh, I know that's... 80% uh, perfect, yeah. Yeah. Tell us so about it just for 10 is... seconds. You don't have to be perfect. That's it. You don't have to be perfect. And um, and that's what I preach to all of my clients. And I've realized you sometimes just come clean and say, you know what? I messed up and I'm human and it's all right. Well, congratulations, Esther. Thanks for joining us on Monday Night Live. And can I ask members of Monday Night Live to give Esther the usual round of applause? Oh, thank you. Thank you and, very much. Uh, we hope to see you again shortly, Esther. Thanks, everybody. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, please like it. If you're listening to this on the podcast, remember Esther Stanhope. Uh, you can find her on uh, on uh, social media. And yeah. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks again, Thank Esther. You. Thank you so much.